0: You are listening to the Bellator Christi podcast brought to you by bellatorchristi.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas.
1: Said that to uh, hold a grudge against someone else is to basically try to seek to poison somebody by drinking the cup yourself, and I think that's so true. That's so very well true. We have been uh, over the past few weeks going through a series in the Book of Acts, and today I believe I may have put this that uh, wrong uh, in the bulletin, but we're going to be in Acts chapter six, verses one through seven. Acts chapter six, verses one through seven. And uh, we've been going through this series. We see how Jesus was crucified, how he died, how he rose on the third day. He, is, After spending 40 days on the earth, being seen by countless individuals. In fact, we don't even have an exact number. We know that at one point in time... Over 500 men saw Jesus alive at one time. If they only counted men at that time, which they did in other times, it could have been that over 1,500 people, 2,000 people saw Jesus alive at the same time. And it's hard for 2,000 people over a 40-day period of time to have the same hallucination, wouldn't you say? But uh, he, he uh, spent uh, 40 days on the earth after his resurrection ascended to heaven. We see the day of Pentecost had come. Uh, the children of God were filled with the Spirit of God. They were, you know, had marching orders to go out uh, to preach the word in the streets, uh, in their communities. They did so. We see that they had been uh, they come in uh, times of trials. They were put in prison. God released them. They went back out, uh, were tried again. And so here they find themselves with a very good situation. They were growing and growing and growing very quickly. In fact, they were growing so quickly that it was hard for them, difficult for them, to keep up with everybody. They were getting so many people. So we're looking today at verses 1 through 7. Uh, I was tempted to name this, and, and because I didn't do it because I was afraid it might come across wrong. Hey, have you ever gone to Barnes & Noble to see the uh, those books... Uh, the, 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 the Guide for Dummies, the series like that, You know, maybe it's Electricians for Dummies or Home Repair for Dummies. I thought about naming this a Christian Worker for Dummies, Christian Miracle Manual for Dummies, but I thought well, that's going to come across all wrong. So we're going to rename this a manual for the Christian Worker as we look at verses 1 through 7. So we want to ask everyone to please stand in honor of the reading and hearing of God's holy word. And beloved, understand, I want you to know something. That when God calls a person to ministry, a lot of times we look at uh, people like myself who've been called in the gospel ministry. But understand something, that each and every one of you who have been saved by the grace of God, you too are ministers. Did you know that? That means God has given you special gifts to do special things for His kingdom and no one else has the gifts that you hold. No one else has the gifts that you hold. You have a calling upon your life. And so we're going to look at the manual for the Christian worker. Now in those days, the Bible says, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. Now let's just stop here for a moment. Pause for a minute and describe what's going on. As the church grew, you had many people who were native Aramaic Hebrew speakers. They were known as the Hebrews. You also had at this time individuals whose native tongue was Greek. They were known as the Grecians or the Hellenists. So you had individuals coming together in one church who spoke different native tongues but came together uh, in in the Church of Christ. He said... uh, There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. So the original native Greek speakers, arising a complaint, raising a complaint against the native Hebrew speakers, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. The church took care of the widows of the church, the poor and oppressed of the church, and the distribution was going out unfairly. Okay? Then the twelve apostles summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Most likely, this is the first ordination of the first seven deacons of the church. And one of those deacons named Stephen, you're going to hear a lot about. He actually brings forth a message that's going to take us about a month to cover because there's so much good stuff in there. He also serves as the first martyr of the church. He says, "...it's not desirable we should leave the Word of God serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word." And we go on to see that, "...and the same pleased the whole multitude. They chose for themselves Stephen a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, we have our own deacon Philip here, do we not? Philip, you want to wave at everybody? <laughs> we have our own Philip here. Pro- uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, uh, T- Timon, uh, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, Then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied, multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Dear kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just ask for your guidance this morning, and that through this exposition of your word, we just simply ask, Lord, that you just allow me to be your instrument, your microphone, your mouthpiece this morning. The Lord, that you would allow me to speak the words that need to be spoken and hold back any words that don't need to be spoken. So that in and through it all, Lord, you would open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, and our hearts that will apply these truths and be better for it. For it's in Jesus' name we ask all these things. Amen and amen. You may be seated. This past week I read a story about a new pastor who had come to a church, and, uh, and he had come in, uh, they had a parsonage, he came and his family moved in the parsonage, and uh, and, uh it was getting things settled. And, uh, and, and one of the, the previous pastor, or actually let me say this new pastor, hired out a bunch of people to do maintenance work on the church, hired out a bunch of people to do maintenance work on the parsonage, uh, you know, as, as far as electrical, plumbing, uh, lawn care, all this other type of stuff. And one of the elders of the church said, uh, he said, sir, he said, uh, our previous pastor uh he, he, uh he did the maintenance himself to the parsonage and to the uh, church. He says, have you considered that approach? And the new pastor, who wasn't very mechanically inclined, said, yes, I considered that approach. And when I asked him, he said he, didn't want to know, he no longer wanted to do the maintenance and mow the yard for this church. So, uh, <laughs> so needless to say, that didn't go over quite well. The new pastor completely missed the point there. And let me just say, praise God that we have wonderful folks who know how to work with electrical uh, devices. John and many others who are electricians. Tommy and many others who are electricians. We could name many others. Thank the Lord we have people who can work on air conditioners. At the last deacons meeting, I noticed they were talking about, electric, uh, about uh, air conditioners. And I says, thank the Lord you guys know what you're talking about because this is all Chinese to me. So I, it's all Chinese to me. But, but thank the Lord we all have different gifts and different abilities. And what we see in this passage of Scripture today is that God has bestowed upon each and every one of us gifts and abilities that we bring to God's table. Aren't you glad that the the church has never meant to be a solo project? It's never meant to be for, for one or two or a small group of people to do all the work. God has called us as a body, as a family, given us different gifts to come together into his house to, to, to demonstrate those gifts that he has given us for the glory of God. That's why Paul writes in First and Second Corinthians that we are a body. Uh, we, you know, a body has a mouth, has hands, hands, feet. You need all of those members for the body to be what it is. And the same is true for the house of God. God has bestowed upon you certain gifts, talents, and abilities that no one else has. And praise God for that. So as we come together as Christian workers, we need to look at three particular things today. Number one, the ministry of the Christian worker. We're going to take a look at a couple of ministries. There are many more. We're just going to look at two. There's also the qualifications of the Christian worker. Now, when you have someone... The serving in a ministerial role, there are certain things you want uh, from that person. Certain things you want that person to bestow. And then there's also the blessings of the Christian worker that we'll look at as well. First and foremost, we see the ministry of the Christian worker in verses 1 and 2 and also in verse 4. We see here that the apostles were called. They were like the pastors of that day time at the very earliest church they were like the pastors and they were getting bombarded they were out there preaching the word they were on the streets they were evangelizing they were discipling they were growing the church by the grace of almighty God the Holy Spirit was working in their lives and they saw a multitude come to faith because not because of them but because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit of God and as this came about you see the first basic argument in the church, the uh, Hellenists or Greek-speaking Christians, their widows were being neglected uh, for, in favor of the Hebrew-speaking Christians. And so instead of getting involved in all of this, because they didn't have the time and effort because they were preaching the word of God, they were in the streets, they were evangelizing, they said, appoint among you seven men, who can help with this. The first deacons we see of the church. Seven men who can see this, who can do this. And we see this ministry of service was so very important because we understand in this passage of Scripture and in many others that ministry is not about one person. Amen? It's not about a small group of people. Ministry is about each and every one of us who've been called, who've been saved by the grace of God. Again, I say to you, You have certain gifts and abilities that no one else has. You are unique to God. God made you with a purpose. God saved you to do great things in and through your life, and you have a purpose. I want everybody to take your finger and point it back to yourself and say to yourselves, I have a purpose. I didn't hear anything. I have a purpose. Every single person here today, you were made a masterpiece by God and God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for you. But a lot of times we have the idea, we have the ideology, well, let's just let someone else do it. But what if everyone said that? What if everyone said let someone else do it? Would anything ever get done? (laughs) Absolutely not. If we all said let somebody else do it, nothing would ever get accomplished for the glory of God. In fact, Moses was guilty of this thing. In in Exodus chapter 18, Moses tried to take on all of the ordeal by himself. He tried to take on this whole project of leading these thousands if not millions of Hebrews to the promised land. And he was, was, I'm going to tell you what, he was getting worn out. He was getting worn out. He had uh, one, one case after another. This person was complaining about that person, and that person was complaining about this person. They were all coming to Moses, and Moses had to legislate all of those things. And, in addition to trying to hear from God, in addition to, do, to try to lead this group of people, he was getting worn out. Praise God, he had a father-in-law. He had a father-in-law who told him, he says, Moses, what you're doing is not good. He says, what you're doing is not good. You're going to certainly wear out both yourself and these people who were with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. So he appointed, he appointed righteous individuals, just and wise individuals, to help him out in this endeavor, and the people and Moses were better for it. Again, beloved, you have a purpose. God has saved you. God God loves you. God has called you for a purpose. Don't let someone else get the blessing that God has for you. Find your area of service and serve with all your might for the glory of Almighty God. Don't expect someone else to do what God is calling you to do. Find your gift and fulfill your calling to serve. So there is the ministry of service. There's also the ministry of teaching. God calls individuals to preach and teach the Word of God. And the apostles were, like again, like the pastors of the day. And the apostles were dedicating themselves to prayer and to the Word due to the help they received from other ministry workers. Because they were allowed, uh, they were freed to do the job, they went into the streets evangelizing, witnessing to people, and because of that, the church saw more and more people come to faith. Beloved, understand, teaching and preaching the Word of God is a very valuable very valuable calling. And if God has called you to do that, understand you are a blessed individual indeed. There is, there is a high standard for preaching and teaching the Word of God. The Bible tells us that. But understand, it is well worth the effort. It is well worth the cost. So we have the ministry of teaching. We have the ministry of service. Each and every one of you are called to do something great. God didn't save you to leave you as you are. God didn't save you to leave you on the sidelines. God saved you to, to one, give you a place in heaven, but secondly, to use you for his glory and for his kingdom. Number two, we see the qualifications of the Christian worker. Studies Studies have shown that churches that have high expectations for their leaders grow the fastest. Did you know that? I didn't know that until I read that. That there is an accountability that we have as Christians when we come together that we should, be, we should hold one another accountable. In fact, I've even heard it said that if a person is struggling in some area of life, they need to have an accountability partner, a prayer partner, someone to which they can go speak directly, that can pray for them, that can help them and hold them accountable. But, beloved, we have, we have accountability as workers in the church. We see, first and foremost, that the, that the individuals called, in verse 3, were to be people of good reputation. They were to be people of good reputation, both inside the house of God, and they were to have a good reputation for outsiders, individuals, who were not Christians. Now, why is that important? Why is that important, you think? Well, here's the the reason. If you're going out and you're telling someone the truth of God's word and you lie to them, you steal for them, you cheat them every way you can, are they going to be likely to believe you? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) If you you maliciously use someone and you're ugly to someone over and over and over again, are they going to believe you when you talk about the love of Christ? Not really. (laughs) Not really. Folks, this is just being realistic. My grandmother used to say, and I think she's dead on the money, being a pastor's wife, she used to tell my mom and used to tell all of us, she said, People watch you. And, and I really, really believe this is true. People watch you. Because if you say that you're a Christian and you go to church on Sunday morning and you live like the devil from Monday through Saturday, people aren't going to take your witness seriously. She used to talk a lot about the person's testimony that you need to protect your testimony. You need to be careful in where you go, be careful in what you say, be careful in what you do, because people do watch you. And if they know that you are a Christian, a child of God, they know they're going to be watching you to see if there's a difference between you and other people in the world. As Christian workers, we need to understand that we not only represent ourselves, but we also represent the Lord and the things we do and the things we say and the way we treat one another. And as Ashley said this morning, I think she's absolutely right. We need to focus upon especially forgiving one another as Christ has even forgiven us and to love one another as Christ loves us. Last time I checked, that's a pretty important commandment, wouldn't you say? In fact, Jesus said of all the commandments, there's two that's most importantly. Number one, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And number two, to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, who's your neighbor? I want you to look around you. Look around you for a moment. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead look around you for a moment. Every single person you see here is your neighbor. And when Jesus says, and when you go leave these premises today, you leave this campus, every single person you see out there in the world is your neighbor as well. And Jesus says the, most, the second most important commandment is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. Pretty important thing, is it not? Pretty important thing. So, so good reputation is important. Number two is a spiritual relationship, the qualification of a spiritual relationship. We see that they're supposed to be full of the Holy Spirit. This is implied that they are in a relationship with Christ, uh, that they have received the Holy Spirit of God, and, that, and by, by that, they have a degree of spiritual gifts as given by the Holy Spirit. And so here again, we see uh, uh, this spiritual relationship. I think I've mentioned before, but it bears repeating. When Grayson was, uh, was uh, in this play for Beauty and the Beast, he uh, was talking about one young lady that he met. I think she was in her 20s, if I'm not mistaken. And she was, she was sewing the uh, costumes for him, and she had a part in the play. And he told us, he said, uh, he, he told, Grayson told us he had a good conversation with her. Of course, you know him, he, he, he makes friends with everybody he, wherever he goes. He's a very social butterfly. Now, me, I was as backwards as all can be when I was his age, so he must have got that from his mom, <laughs> Virginia, but he didn't get that from me. But uh, being the social butterfly that he is, uh, he was making friends with her. And, uh, and afterwards, he came to me and said, Daddy, do you know that she's a Christian? She listens to Christian music, and in fact, she let me listen to the music she was playing on her, Christian, her iPod or whatever device it was. And she, he was talking about uh, this relationship that this young woman had with Christ. And you know, I told her, I, said, you, I told Grace, and I said, uh, I really, I could see that. Because I had, there's, some, there's a sense that I had of her that she was a child of God and that she loved the Lord. She didn't even tell me that. But you can just pick up on the way she, way she acted and the way and mannerisms and, and the way she behaved, the way she spoke, and the way she treated other people. Beloved, when we have a relationship with Christ, everybody should see it. Amen? If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to show. That doesn't mean that we're perfect people. That doesn't mean that we're not going to slip and fall. That doesn't mean if you're in, if you're in traffic and someone pulls in front of you that you might not let a word go or two or three. Amen? Trust me, I've driven in Charlotte. I've been there. (laughs) But you know, the, the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, we're not perfect people, but we worship a perfect Savior. And when that perfect Savior has come in our lives and transformed us, then it's going to be evident to those around us. As Jesus says, a good tree doesn't produce bad fruit. A good tree produces good fruit A bad tree produces bad fruit. So when we look at uh, leaders, when we look at ourselves, we need to make sure that we have that spiritual relationship. We also need to have the qualification of wisdom. Now, wisdom and knowledge are two different things. Knowledge is the acquisition of a lot of facts and figures. The older I get, (laughs) the less I'm able to store in this brain of mine, you know, it seems like. But the knowledge is the acquisition of a lot of facts and figures. Wisdom is knowing how to use that to make good decisions. There's a world of difference, amen? There's a world of difference. Knowledge is the acquisition of facts and figures. Wisdom is knowing how to use that information to make good decisions. Tom Rainer is, I believe, a very wise man. He's the president of Lifeway Christian Bookstores, and he said at a conference earlier in the year that he told Lifeway and Family Christian Bookstores both that you need to make certain changes or you're not going to make it in this economy. LifeWay listened, and they're still in business, and they're they're operating under this new model that uh, Tom Rainer has laid out before them, and they're doing quite well. Tom Rainer told me, I I told him about the impact that God has used from LifeWay in my life, and he says, we still have a few more challenges, but he says, I think we're going to be okay. But he shared this. He shared the same information, I was told, with family Christian bookstores, and family Christian bookstores didn't listen. And where is family Christian bookstores now? They're bankrupt. They're out of business. They're out of business, indeed. You see, we need individuals. We, as as Christians, we need to be wise people, listening to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, making good decisions in life, and especially when that comes to the area of ministry. Last and certainly not least, we see the blessings of the Christian worker. We see this in verse 7. Look what happened. The word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Did you see what happened? Some of the priests, there were like 8,000 priests in that day and time, 10,000 Levites... Some of the individuals who were in the very council that condemned Jesus, you see what happened? They came to faith. They received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they became disciples of Christ. How does that happen? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We were talking about this Wednesday night. Burl, he's not with us this morning, but he said something really good. And I think that's yes, bear sharing. We talk about, you know, we talk about uh, people listening to the grace of God, listening to the Holy Spirit, and he says that God never gives up on anyone. And I said, that's absolutely correct. Not, he doesn't give up on them until they have that last breath left in their body. There's still an opportunity that someone can be saved. There's still an opportunity that they'll repent and turn and give their life to Jesus Christ leave my heart of hearts that there'll be many people in heaven that will see that maybe in those last few moments God kept dealing with that person's heart and then that final moment of their life they finally surrendered to the call of the Holy Spirit and gave their heart and life to Jesus but we see two things, two blessings that have happened from this uh, from, from coming together as a people of God, everyone using their gifts for the glory of God two things happened, first of all is the blessing of evangelistic emphasis. We, we place an emphasis on evangelism because we truly believe that from Genesis all the way to Revelation, that this book is the inspired, infallible, and errant Word of God. Amen? If you believe that, let me hear you say amen. amen. Now, beloved, I want to tell you, as I was, ta- ta- was talking about Wednesday night, I believe this because it is the Word of God, but also because the evidence backs it up. The evidence backs it up. You take a look at the things said in the Word of God; evidence backs it up. I better stop there. I'm going to preach a whole other message on that, just that. I'm going to just stay focused here. But evangelistic emphasis—they kept their mindset on the truths of God's Word. They believed it to be true, and because of that, they preached with fervency. Because if Jesus is who He said He was, that means that there is a literal heaven and a literal hell at stake. Amen. That means that the truths we hear about the afterlife and in the end of times are absolutely true. So they placed this emphasis on evangelism, telling people about the love of God, proclaiming the word of God with great fervency and with great power. And because of that, individuals whom they thought would never enter the doors of the church actually came in and received Christ and were used for the glory of God in ways that they would not imagine. Think about this, beloved. Today's atheist may be the next Billy Graham. Today's atheist may be tomorrow's, tomorrow's Billy Graham because the power of the Holy Spirit can convict a person's heart, can transform a person's mind, and can make that person do great things for the glory of his kingdom, for the glory of God. God never gives up on us, and I thank God for that. I'm glad he didn't give up on me. I spent seven years out of the ministry was tinkering around with agnosticism for a while. But God didn't give up on me. He led me to a Lifeway Christian bookstore where I found books that answered the questions and found that this book was exactly what my grandpa had told me about whenever I was a little boy, that it was and is and forever will be the Word of God. And praise God for that. Secondly, we see the blessing of discipleship that it increased. The church did not grow numbers. They grew disciples. I want you to hear that very closely. The church wasn't interested in numbers, they were interested in disciples. That's a big difference, amen? In fact, I got got to say something Bob Dill shared, and I think it's so true. Bob, I didn't ask, I usually ask permission, I'm sorry, but this is so good, I got to share it. Bob said, I think he's absolutely dead on the money. So many times we invite people in the church. We invite them to become Christians, they become Christians, and we, we say, here, you're on your own. We don't need to do that. In fact, as, as Christians, we need to grow one another. Iron sharpens iron. We need to grow one another in the grace and kingdom of God, beloved, growing one another in the faith by the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I had a good, have a good friend of mine, Jason Klein. He's a chaplain. Uh, he's a fellow Liberty grad. He's a chaplain in southwest Virginia. And he told me, he said, Brian, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, told me this this past week. He said, I enjoyed seminary at Liberty. I enjoyed it. I really did. But he says, I have grown more in our, our friendship by discussing these issues together over the phone, by email, meeting up at Chick fil A every now and then. He says, I've grown more in our relationship than I even did at seminary. Beloved, that's what we have as the people of God. We can come together. We grow together in the faith, focused on the Word of God, becoming the people that God desires us to be. In fact, what we need to understand, as Dr. Kainer said at Liberty, we don't need to seek to grow people like ourselves. Beloved, understand, I don't want a church full of Brian Chilton's. Oh, my goodness. Amen. <laughs> I saw that going many different ways but not quite like that. (laughs) But i got to give an amen to that too. I don't want to see a bunch of Brian Chilton's around here because I would probably leave if that was the case. (laughs) Be honest, and you probably would too. I don't want to see a church full of Brian Chilton's. I want to see a church full of people becoming more like Jesus. He is the ultimate model. He's the only perfect model we ever have or ever will have. We need to seek to become more like Jesus Christ. And that is what discipleship in genuine Christianity is all about. Not worrying about what we wear and how we wear our hair, whether it's up or whether it's down or whether it's short or whether it's long, but focusing on becoming more and more like people of Jesus, becoming Jesus people, becoming more like Jesus Christ. Let me close with this. There's a whole lot more we could say, but let me go and close with this. Susan Van Zanten tells the story of a group of medieval craftsmen who were engaged in a decades-long, back-breaking job of constructing a colossal Gothic cathedral. Some were working on the soaring uh, flying buttresses, and uh, others were piecing together a delicate stained-glass rose window. The more menial laborers were putting up an unadorned but functional masonry wall. One day the bishop came by and was talking. he was talking with these, uh, these mason workers, I mean these uh, bricklayers, and he says, uh, what are you doing? And one guy says, well, I'm laying brick. I'm laying brick. Not really fun, but I'm laying brick. The, the other one said, uh, what are you doing? He goes to a second person in the same job. He says, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm laying the mortar. I'm laying the mortar. It's not very fun, but that's what I'm doing. I'm laying the mortar. He goes to the third person, and the third person says, and I quote, Your grace is responding with pride. I'm building a great cathedral to the glory of God. I'm laying these bricks for the glory of God. No matter what God has called you to do, do it with all your heart, do it with all your mind, do it with all your strength, and most importantly, do it for the glory of God. And if you do that, beloved, no matter what it is, whether it's cleaning a window, painting a wall, whether it, or whether it's a, being a deacon or being a pastor or a preacher or whatever it may be, working on the plumbing or working on the electricity, whatever it may be, do it for the glory of God. And I guarantee you this, God will one day somehow bless you for your efforts. And aren't you glad of that? Nothing you do, even if no one else knows what you do for God, God knows, and he will reward you one of these days for the things you do in faith. every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never received Christ Jesus, let me, let me just tell you, you need to come down and receive him today. You say, well, Brian, you don't know the things I've done or the, or the things that's happened in my life. You know what? I don't, I don't need to know. But God does. And you know what? God already knows everything about you and He already loves you with an everlasting love. As I said this past week at Don Adobe's funeral service, that before you were ever even born, God knew you and God loved you with an everlasting love. You're not a mistake. You're a masterpiece. And God wants to save you. He wants to save your soul. And he wants to give you a place in heaven if you'll simply come and respond to the Spirit's call. If you're here today and maybe you need salvation, maybe you need to receive Christ, we encourage you to do that. Maybe you're here and maybe you've fallen away from the path that God has for your life. We would just encourage you to come and give your life back over to him once again. Or maybe you'd like to come and join the ministry of Huntsville Baptist Church. We encourage you to do that as well. We're not a perfect church. Lord, we're a church serving a perfect Savior. Amen? And if you ever find a perfect church on this side, give it time. You'll find out that it's not, no matter where you go. But we're a loving group of people who serve a loving God. And I encourage you, if you don't have a church home, to come and join the membership here at Huntsville Baptist Church. Whatever God is saying and doing in your heart and your life, we just encourage you to respond to the calling of the Holy Spirit of God. to kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you. We thank you so much for your spirit being here the way you have this morning. And, Lord, we just ask you, Lord, we just simply plead with you, Lord, that if there's anyone here today that knows you, God, that today would be the day of salvation. If there's anyone here, maybe they have a lot of struggles in life. Maybe they just need to come and lay those struggles down. Whatever the case may be,
0: Expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of Bellator Christi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of Bellator Christi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Michaela Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. First row evidence that demands a verdict. Truth wasn't so much an issue as what is truth, can you know truth, but now it is.
2: Some of the issues are different because of the internet, like the claim that Jesus doesn't even exist. Are there other gospels that should have been in the Bible? Is Christianity just a copycat religion? So when we updated this, because I hear it from students so often, I thought we have to have the single best chapter that responds to this claim. And I think we do.
0: We had to rewrite Evidence of Man's Verdict because there's so much new evidence out there. It's like one Greek scholar said, the evidence now for the scriptures is like a tsunami, an avalanche that is hitting.
1: And we want you to be aware of that.
0: We want every young person, every student, every pastor, every professor to be aware of the new evidence out there, to understand not just what they believe, but why they believe it.
1: Evidence that demands a verdict. On sale everywhere October 3rd,
2: 2017. Go to hashtag true evidence. looking for something that will train you in Christian apologetics but you don't have time to commit to a long-term program? Do you want to learn more about the philosophical, scientific, and historical reasons for the Christian faith? If you answered yes, then plan to attend the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics entitled Defending a Faith That Thinks. It will be held October 13th and 14th. Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, sponsored by Southern Evangelical Seminary. Among the speakers include Michael Brown, Norman Geisler, Gary Habermas, Kim Ham, Richard Howe, Greg Koeffel, J.P. Moreland, SES President Richard Land, Jay Richards, Hugh Ross, Frank Turrick, J. Warner Wallace, and more than 30 additional speakers. Early bird pricing lasts until August 1st. For more information, go to conference.ses.edu. I plan to be at the 25th National Conference on Christian Apologetics. I hope to see you there. Once again, this is October 13th and 14th at Calvary Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Go to conference.ses.edu. The National Conference on Christian Apologetics, Defending the Faith of Things.
0: life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our great nation was built on these simple principles. So was our university. Find your greatness at Liberty. Online or on campus, discover more at liberty.edu. It's the difference between a job and a career.